eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into the Illini Inquirer podcast, and this has been a little bit different for us. Football news churning, and there's a lot of recruiting stuff going on, which it feels like it's been months upon months, which is true, it literally is true, uh, of Illinois actually handing out offers, building some buzz on the recruiting trail, adding some transfers here, and also, of course, the daily churn. It feels like Illinois is doing this well for us. They're giving us as much content as possible by Bielma kind of stretching out the hiring process of his staff, but we do have most of his coaching staff hired so far. So I figure let's get Ryan East doing a lot of inquire on this to chat about it. Boy, Ryan, this has been this is just a different feel. I mean, I know it's the honeymoon phase. I know, like you know, we're going to respond pretty positively to anything he adds here. Uh, but it's just been a, a different kind of process and just a a pretty normal, average like college coaching staff putting together and in a college coaching staff recruiting plan. It's it's been a breath of fresh air around here. Yeah, and and I mean you you say it when it's college coaching staff and college recruiting plan, you know Lovey was an, a pretty accomplished NFL coach, and I don't think anybody would knock any of his accomplishments at the NFL level. But you know it was it became more clear over time that he was trying to take an NFL approach to a college game, and it was just kind of a square peg in a round hole and wasn't really working out. But you get a guy that for most of his career, almost pretty much all but ex- a couple years. Um, has been a college coach and he got a little bit of NX NFL experience the last couple of years, but he's a college coach that's, that's been there and done that and knows what kind of staff he needs to put together and knows what kind of recruiting pitches resonate um, and give him credit, you know, for a job like Illinois, he's taken this, this kind of blended approach where he's, he's gotten guys that have connections in the state of Illinois. He's gotten a mix of younger guys that are enthusiastic recruiters with some of the more grizzled vets you know, there are some hires that are, you know, really flashy and some that are more kind of just, you know, safer, but high, mm-hmm. like fairly high floor hires, you know, they're, they're less risk, less reward. Uh, there's been kind of a nice mix of both. And I think that's given this staff some balance um, while still checking a lot of the boxes that you need to have in a modern college coaching staff. You said the word there, and as this comes together a little bit more, Ryan, and we learn more of these coaches, balance, right? Like Brett Bielum is is an accomplished, experienced head coach. Even at Arkansas, like you know, uh, three straight bowl games, it's nothing to laugh at. I know the final record didn't end up well because a, a bad first year as he was trying to rebuild that program out of, you know, the, the 
Petrino scandal and the weird John L. Smith interim year, kind of like here at Illinois with Cubit. Uh, but then you have, you know, the final year that didn't go well and they had injuries and, and just didn't have a very good fifth season and they just cut ties right away. And Arkansas is still trying to build out of that, right? So I, I think we know he's a, a, at least solid college coach and maybe a really, really, really good college coach. But Tony Peterson wasn't the flashy OC hire, right? But he has been an OC who's had decades of experience in the Big Ten, at App State, at ECU, at Louisiana Tech, group of five programs that have been successful. Then the defensive side, you had this young guy who doesn't have as much experience in Ryan Walters. And you're like, well, how much did he call plays with Barry Odom? And he said he did. He had full play calling ability. for, And, and of course, the head coach has the, the final say, just like Bielema will have it over Peterson or Walters, right? Um but that's a little bit different. But then he adds Andy Boo, who's been a defensive coordinator for you know five, four different schools and kind of gives you that teacher, that mentor who can also be a right-hand man for Ryan Walters if he needs to. you got Bielema, who's an accomplished defensive play caller himself. And then you've surrounded those guys with some young, uh, energetic guys with Terrence Jamerson, a Chicago guy who can recruit the state. Bart Miller, a Chicago suburbs guy who can recruit the suburbs and the state. You bring back Corey Patterson, which made all the sense in the world, who gets after it in recruiting. And if anybody gets to know him, they just know like he's he's a he's a hard worker one, but he's also a very intelligent football coach. And he's really grown as a coach, it feels like the last couple of years. Then Ben Miller, uh, who's got just like Andy Bu- uh, Andy Boo, who's got a lot of experience, Air Force for 14 years. Uh, but also has some special teams experience where those two can kind of combine, it seems like, on the role. So you, you put this puzzle together, Ryan, and it all makes sense, right? And it's all like guys who are qualified for the job and guys with a wealth of different but complementary college experience. Yeah, I mean, kind of like I said, you've got some guys that have been there, done that, been around the block a few times, and you've got some other guys that – have that energy that you need at recruiter. And I think it's kind of interesting because Walters, though he hasn't been around a long time, has some pretty good experience for a guy that's in his mid thirties and is coached at a fairly high level. So, you know, even though he's in a position of leadership on that defense, he's still got Bielema, you know, kind of still there as a, as another mentor um, that can provide that guidance, even though he himself, you know, is, is in this position of leadership where he's now running a defensive staff. Um, you know, they've, they've checked a lot of the boxes. Like I said, you get guys that have ties in state, you get guys that have connections all across the country. I, I think the way that this staff has kind of come together too, has been really unique. I mean, uh, Ryan Walters made the point that it was really Tony Peterson that reached out to him. So, I mean, even though Peterson, a lot of people at first were like, who is this guy? He might've been the one that actually made the connection with, with Walters and got him on board. So at least it was the guy who could reach out and have that connection. Right. And, and that's the other part. These guys all have connections, right? I think Bart Miller and, and Ben Miller were together for a year. Um, you know, Terrence Jameson obviously has connections to Bielema. Um, so they just have these college coaching world connections and all of them, Ryan, have recruiting ties everywhere. You don't have to worry about them starting from scratch here. They know the process. So, well, you know, Illinois fans aren't getting the sexiest highlight. Nathan Schillhouse is not coming here because he's going to stick with, right, the guy, Matt Campbell. And who can blame him for that? Um, you're not getting Jay Lehman, no matter how you spell his name. Like in Jay, I love Jay, but 
he's not qualified like these guys. He just hasn't been in the industry. Even if he could be a great recruiter, you probably got to pay your dues as an analyst or recruiting staffer for a couple of years before you get an assistant coaching job, right? So um, all these guys are very qualified for the job they have at Illinois. And you, you and I know, you know, there were some decent hires for Lovey Smith and his staff. Corey Patterson being one of them. I mean, Rod Smith had never been a play caller before. Was he qualified for that job? Sure. But then there were other people you know, that just weren't qualified for their jobs and, and weren't great power five hires. All these guys make sense for a power five program uh, and especially one that, that struggled in, in the Big Ten. You're getting guys from the group of five level. You're getting guys who have been power five coaches before. Yeah, I think that's one thing that a lot of people aren't keeping in mind is, you know, if anybody's and, and I'm not here to just be a, a PR agent for this staff, but I mean, we got to say given where Illinois football has been to not only go out and hire a guy like Brett Bielema, who so far has, has shown us that he's, he's in this to win this. He said and uh, done the right thing so far, right? Yes. No. Yeah. There really hasn't had any missteps yet. I mean, it's early. We'll see what happens. And, you know, you mentioned the honeymoon phase, this, this fall could be kind of rough depending on how the roster ends up shaking out. And, and it just is what it is. You know, to me, in a lot of ways, this kind of seems like the transition that the Chicago Bulls underwent this offseason. You know, you got a team that was probably misguided by a guy that maybe wasn't the right fit for the program. You've got some good pieces, but, oh, you know, top to bottom, the roster still lacks in some really important areas. And now you bring in a guy that's been there, done that, had success, one with probably less talent than some of the other teams that have had success. And it's going to take some time. There's going to be some adjustments for this team. They'll, they'll go through some adjustment period. You know, the Bulls still play really bad defense, uh, but they're getting better. They're competitive. And I think that's really what you're going to be looking for. They're competent. Yes. And that that's what you want. And Illinois for, you know, the back half of last of 2019 was competent. This year, for the most part, take out Nebraska. And I don't know if you want to call that Rutgers game, but I guess because you won against the Rutgers team that won a couple games, maybe it was. But otherwise, you're getting blown out, and you started to look like you know, a team that was number three or four in the MAC again. And that was concerning. I think they were more talented. They had COVID issues. This was a weird year. All of that. But you need to snap out of that. And there will be adjustments, whether it's scheme, whether it's knowing these players' strengths, uh, whether it's needing time to get the players they need in. Uh, but we'll get to the transfer market here. Um, the nice part is is the transfer portal is there to help you kind of go, not go through what Lovey went through, which can really, really hurt your program. Listen, I, you know, some of these hires that, you know, fans aren't going to know most of these names. I've just learned most of these names uh, as they've come in. But if I, if I just sit there and grade this coaching staff and what Illinois has changed with its coaching staff, it's upgrades. This is an upgraded staff so far, and it's not complete of, of what the previous one was. So if, if people always, they always want me to grade it, it'd be like solid B, right? It's a solid B so far. You, you stole Missouri's defense coordinator, even if he was gonna, wasn't going to be there long term. Um, Tony Peterson has experience. He's keeping Corey Patterson, I've been so impressed by Bart Miller. Terrence Jamison, you steal Purdue's defensive line coach. I give it a solid B of what they've done so far, and they still have more positions to work with, Ryan. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on this. You know, he talked about, Bielema talked about his introductory press conference about getting a special teams coordinator. It sounds like Ben Miller and Andy Boo are going to split those duties. So that kind of gives him this kind of extra spot of where does he want to invest in? Does he want to get a special teams coordinator and those guys just help him? Or does he want to get the wide receivers coach, um, 
another defensive backs coach, obviously Ryan Walters can coach safeties or corners if need be. Um, or does he go with an edge rusher position? Does he go with two defensive backs coach? Uh, it'll be very interesting to see how he invests in that other spot because we know wide receivers, we know one defensive backs coach. What kind of spot uh, do you think he uses with the other one? Well, I think a lot of that's going to be a wild card, and it's just going to depend on what happens with the defensive scheme they end up end up running. And it could be that could just depend on a number of different factors. It's you know, do they tailor this scheme at first to the personnel that they have? And I think to an extent they're going to have to the first year or two until they can really stabilize the roster. Uh, but moving forward, you know, there's going to be a scheme they want to run, and I think they'll try and build a staff around that. Um, but, you know, recruiting is just as important of a consideration because you've got to have the athletes there to run the scheme too. I mean, it's the, your personnel is just as important as, as the teaching is. So, um, you know, personally, I think – it'd be, it makes a lot of sense to have a, a dedicated cornerbacks coach. Uh, you know, Ryan Walter's background is predominantly with safeties um, and with him also being the defensive coordinator and focusing on the defense as a whole, having somebody to take on some of the defensive backfield responsibilities, I think frees him up to, to give his attention to that as he needs. Uh, you know, we mentioned that you need a, a wide receiver coach, and, you know, if you have two coaches like Andy Boo and Ben Miller that are capable of handling all the special teams duties, then you don't really need a coordinator per se, as long as one of the two is the designated guy that makes the calls. Well, and it might be Bielema, right? He's he's talked about that. Be. He's got some special teams in his background, too. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is, I, I think if you have that additional spot on, on the roster, unless – because, I mean – it's rare that somebody is a special teams coordinator and ace recruiter. Mm -hmm. It happens. There are a few examples, but I, I think given, you know, given the fact that maybe a position coach, you can, you have an opportunity to get more position coaches on the team. And I think that's an opportunity you see is they get to work more one-on-one -on -one regularly with the players. They can work in groups with the players. You can divide and conquer a little more effectively. You don't overstretch some of your coaches that are teachers. And that still gives you that same number with which you can recruit. And that's also not to say that they couldn't have somebody come in potentially as like an analyst role yeah. that would work with the players in practice and then have guys like Miller and Boo handle those responsibilities on game day. Well, the analyst role, I just want to clear this up. The analyst role, they can't coach during practice. Now they can meet with the players after practice, right? And in meeting rooms and stuff like that, and obviously help with the coaches. Uh, but you can have a GA basically work with specialists, mm -hmm. right? And, and that's happened before Garrett Schwetman worked with uh, the, the specialists a lot. And, you know, Blake Hayes and James LaCourt mentioned him a lot. So you could have a GA who works with the kickers and punters all practice uh, and then have the two other guys, whether it's Ben Miller running the offensive special teams, right? Which would be, uh, uh, you know, kickoff return, kickers, yeah, coverage, uh, and punt yeah. return, all that, and then you have Andy Bu Andy Boo asks, does all the defensive. That that could be the case there. Um, so that makes sense. But then that frees you up potentially. I think the most important thing would be recruiters, Ryan. I think two of the next three spots, the focus will be on recruiting. And usually, a wide receivers coach is a pretty good recruiter. And usually, that's a position um, that you can eventually evolve into an offensive coordinator. So it'll be interesting to see who they get there. Uh, and then defensive backs coach obviously usually is, is a good recruiter as well. And then you might add a, another great teacher, not that those recruiters aren't good teachers, but then you might add a, a more experienced guy as well. But uh, you got a lot of possibilities and I like the flexibility he has here. 
Yeah, I, I think the fact that they've covered so many of their major bases so far with the staff hires that they've made already allows them to get a little more aggressive with recruiters at these remaining positions. Uh, you know, I, I do think you probably want to get a pretty good wide receivers coach for that position, somebody that can actually continue to teach those guys because there, there's been a lot of turnover at the wide receiver position uh, and there will be moving forward. Um, so, you know, as they get a new group of guys in there, the offense changes, the first couple of years is going to be pretty important. But I think you, you can find somebody that's effective both as a recruiter and as a teacher. Um, but, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, like I mentioned, they've covered a lot of the major positions. And I think they've got a pretty good hold, um, at least at all the position groups. And that allows them to just kind of fill in with a little more flexibility moving forward and be more selective with the remaining three spots they have on the assistant coaching staff. Yeah. So we'll see what the next three hires are. We know Mike Bellamy was a candidate uh, for the wide receivers job, which makes sense. Mike's got obviously Chicago connections. He's got some connections to kids that are, are in the transfer portal and could be in the transfer portal. Um, and, and I don't know if he's had a lot of help with recruiting in-state kids or closing on some of the kids that he's recruited pretty well. So we'll see uh, if he's added to the staff. Haven't heard any word on that quite yet. But Illinois is very busy in the transfer portal. They've landed three players so far. So when we come back, Ryan, let's talk about that. A couple other big name targets we can chat about and their high school recruiting efforts so far. That's next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. All right, Ryan, three transfer additions so far. Um, and one name that we remember very well, because it was interesting, Illinois got him on campus for a visit. And we're like, hey, Illinois has a chance to land the Mr. Tennessee football, um, Chase Hayden, a running back who had a really good freshman year at Arkansas before he had an injury, had 300-plus yards, had a 100-yard game on his first game. And I, I did a, a film uh, clip up of him. But uh, then Chad Morris came in. Uh, he had some injuries, had an injury last year, wrist uh, broken wrist at ECU after transferring there. But he comes back, reunites with Brett Bielma, has two years of eligibility left. What do you think of the addition of Chase Hayden to the what I think is a pretty strong uh, running back room already? 
Well, I think it's good because you've got a couple of running backs that at times have dealt with injuries. The position has gotten thin from time to time. Um, and this allows you to not necessarily put guys on a pitch count, but you you don't have to work some of your guys as hard. You, you can balance the carries out a little bit more. You can keep your guys fresher. You can see what some of these teams that have two or three really good backs are able to do, where they're able to run a couple guys early in the game, wear down a defense, and then they sub in a third guy that's just as good with fresh legs late in the game, and they're able to make some big chunk plays. Uh, you know, Hayden's a really versatile running back. Uh, he can run between the tackles. He can bounce it outside. He can catch passes in the, in the, the passing game out of the backfield. So I, I think he's kind of a – I mean, he's an ad that gives you a lot of different options. And with the way that Tony Peterson likes to, to move things around and do some window dressing out of the backfield, he's a guy that fits right into that M.O., um, you know, with Hayden, he, he obviously he was good enough to play early in his career at Arkansas. And I think those injuries just, just set him back and he was never quite able to get back on top of it because he had some other really good running backs behind him on that roster. So, you know, once he went down and it was almost just kind of like he lost his spot and couldn't quite catch up. And then, you know, it's unfortunate he gets hurt in the year at ECU, but you know, if he's able to bounce back and he's in good shape, uh, you know, I think, combining him with, with Chase Brown and uh, with Mike Epstein and to, you know, to go along with Reggie Love, who started to get some carries at the end of the year, you know, that's, that's a running back room that, you know, if they split carries fairly evenly or, you know, even somewhat split the carries up uh, to lighten the load on some of the, the main feature backs, I think that's going to keep those guys fresher longer throughout the year probably minimize some injuries and also allows you to really hit some big plays later in games in late third and early fourth quarter. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at Tony Peterson and I know app state ran more of what app state runs and what Tony Peterson wanted to run and, and kudos to him for kind of adjusting to that. But they had Cameron people's 168 carries Daytrich Harrington, 106 carries Nate Noel, 82 carries Marcus Williams jr. Who's now in the portal, 68 carries. Um, so that I think all these guys can get their touches. I still think Chase Brown's the number one guy. Um, I, I, I have little doubt of that just because he shows the burst. He shows uh, the strength and, and the leg drive uh, to be a number one back. And he was an all Big Ten third back last year. And I think he fits in any scheme. Mike Epstein obviously is a very good running back. And it was great to see him be healthy. And you see how good he can be. But he has had injury issues, right? Just like Chase Hayden. And I think Chase Hayden is a little bit different than those guys. I think Epstein's a little bit bigger, uh, not as quick as Hayden. Um, Chase Brown runs harder. Like he's just maybe not as patient actually as Chase Hayden, but he just runs hard, and I think he's faster. But Chase Hayden was about a 4-5 guy in high school. He does have, I think, a little bit more burst than Epstein. I think he's got more wiggle. Like he's got some jump cuts that make you go, ooh, uh, those two running backs right now don't do that. Like Reggie Corbin can do it. I think Reggie Love has that as well. But I think it just gives him a, a different look uh, in, in running back. And maybe a guy like you said, jet sweeps, playing in the slot a little bit. I can see that. I wanted Rod Smith to play guys like Jakari Norwood or Reggie Corbin in the slot more or Mike Epstein the last couple of years. Just get your best players in the field. And now I think Illinois does have the running back room to where if they do have an injury or two, 
I still feel comfortable if Chase Hayden's got to be my guy with 15 to 20 carries or if Mike Epstein or, or Reggie Love has to be that if Chase Brown goes down. So I just think it fortifies running back is your number one strength of this offense. And you know that's that's what they want to do. That's what Bielema wants to do. So while you don't have a Melvin Gordon or you know dating back to Tony Peterson's time at Minnesota, there's no Maroney or uh, Marion Barber probably here. But I do think you have a very – solid to very good Big Ten running back room. And then you helped them by adding Max Rosenthal, a fullback, Ryan. Uh, I guess we can call him an H-back because they're going to – they kind of use him – they line him up the little I've seen. They kind of use a wing back. If the wing the wing like team. Like a super back? Yeah, it's a super back. But, like, they kind of have him off the line of scrimmage, but you'll see him in motion. That's that, you know, eye candy that Tony Peterson talked about. But it's the same stuff you see at Wisconsin. It's the same stuff you see at Iowa or Northwestern. It just makes him more versatile and gives you another really good blocker out there. So I don't even know if Rosenthal will have more than 10 touches on the season, but it just gives you another piece that you didn't have on the roster. Man, I just want to see a big dude – take a carry from the one and pound it up the gut. Cause we haven't seen that in forever. Like how many carries did Jay Frosh have? He was the last fullback here. Oh gosh. He up. didn't get a whole lot until like the end of his career. I don't think he but got a few here and there, but that Mikel Ashore Northwestern game at Wrigley field. Jay Prosh. He was the, the he, MVP. Yeah. He was probably the MVP. I mean, the blocks he was throwing in that game was ridiculous. And and we know Bielma likes smash mouth football. That's Max Rosenthal. Yeah, and I mean, going back to that game, those linebackers from Northwestern had to hate Jay Prosh at the end of that game. Um, but no, one of, one of my pet peeves, and I've said this before, one of my pet peeves is being at the goal line and running out of shotgun up the middle. I hate it. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. Line up in like an I formation, get a big fullback, clear the way. I mean, you see, even, even like you see these teams that put up gaudy numbers like like in Alabama or some of these other offenses, they still will put in a fullback when they get close to the goal line because it works. Or or how about and, how about the old school quarterback sneak when you got a six five quarterback like Brandon Peters? I'd, I'd go quarterback sneak. I think it still works. Yeah, yeah. But the thing that Rosenthal I think gives you is, and, and he played a lot of linebacker in high school, so I think he's also maybe got that that mental side of it in his head. Um, but the thing that gives you it's an extra blocker. Uh, you know, it's a guy that outside of the the tackle box can go out there or maybe off tackle can go out there and pick up the linebacker and spring some of those longer five, six yard runs. And I think that was one thing that, that Illinois really struggled with over the last few years was getting behind the sticks early. And you, when you're able to at least establish the run to an extent on some of your earlier downs, get positive yardage, then you don't get off schedule as much. You get a better rhythm. It makes things substantially easier for your passing game because the defense isn't cheating up uh, all the time because they're, you know, they're not just daring you to throw the whole time. So, you know, I think having a fullback that can uh, open up the running game a little bit more and give you some, uh, some more chunk plays in the run game is, is a huge advantage to have. And on top of that, he's from new Trier high school who puts out some talent, is a very good team. They always make deep runs in the playoffs, at least in, in recent years they have. And how long has it been since Illinois has gotten some, like a scholarship player from New Trier? Mm -hmm. I, I don't remember one in a long time. It's been at least a decade, if not longer. For I, I haven't had a chance to look back yet. There may have been one under Ron Turner, but I don't under Zook, Beckman, Cubitt. Mm -hmm. 
I don't remember a scholarship or, or Lovey Smith. I don't remember a scholarship player coming from either Nutrier or you know, some of those other North suburban schools like that. Yeah. And that was a Bart like Miller. Glen, Glenbrook. Yeah. That, yeah. Was, that was a Bart Miller connection. And that's why like when Bart got hired and I hear from him, I'll go, man, that guy's going to do well in the suburbs. And, and th- that is an area that Illinois just has not gotten enough kids in since what early Zook. It feels like that they haven't been able to get those kids. I mean, you got a couple kids like Riley O'Toole, um, but it just feels like you haven't gotten your share of those. And there's so many good football players who fit the Bielema mindset uh, in in the suburbs there. So offensive linemen, defensive linemen, linebackers, and and then there's so much skill in Chicagoland that you know if they can start going in there, you never know. Um, all right, one more transfer they've added, Calvin Hart. What do you make of Calvin Hart, a linebacker, who's basically kind of the fourth linebacker at NC State the last couple of years? Good athlete, good blitzer from the sound of it and, and some of the metrics I've seen, good pass rusher, uh, but not uh, a reliable tackler yet. But it's obviously just a huge position in need, and you add a guy that I think adds speed uh, to the outside there. Yeah, well, you see what they got down to at the end of the at the end of the year there. I mean, they had – and they had some significant injuries in, in large numbers. I mean, you had – Kalen Tolson that went down with a serious injury at Shimon Cooper that went down with a serious injury at Iowa. I mean, fortunately Jake Hansen held on um, Tariq Barnes went down with a, a serious injury and they were playing on like the remnants of the roster. I think, I think in that last game against Penn state, if they had another guy go down, I, I don't even know who they would have played there. Cause I mean, you're basically at the bottom of the depth chart. You're probably shifting somebody from a different position in there. Walk-ons. It was, uh, it was probably gonna be walk-ons. Yeah. You saw uh, some of the walk-ons play, and, and Ryan Mead could have gotten into there at some point as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's why you want a good walk-on program is so you have some guys who are FCF scholarship guys who can at least fill in for you. But Marques was filling in um, and and battled, but obviously he's he's not as quick and as athletic as you know your scholarship guys. Yeah, yeah, and so I mean, adding a guy like Hart, a guy that's got some experience at the Power Five level, it's not like you're adding you know, a com- taking a complete flyer on somebody. He's got some experience. He's graded out well in, in rushing situations. Uh, for him, the key is going to be becoming a more complete linebacker. You know, maybe he's a guy that uh, plays maybe a couple downs on uh, a couple downs every, you know, rotation on the drive, or he, he gets in in certain situations at first as he becomes more comfortable. But, you know, you need quality depth that is capable of playing at the power five level. He's got solid speed. He's got good quickness and fluidity and he's got good size. So, you know, to me, it's kind of a no brainer. If you can add somebody like that, especially at a position where you really need the bodies go for it. And, you know, they didn't reach, they didn't, you know, they didn't, you know, take a guy that was a high risk. Uh, You know, they got a guy that came from a good high school program down in Florida uh, played some physical football over the years, played in the ACC. So, you know, I, th- I think it was a good ad. Um, as, as I said, maybe not an every down linebacker right away, but a guy that definitely has some stuff you could work with and, and potentially grow into that every down linebacker by the time he's a senior. I think three years of uh, eligibility for him as well. So all these guys with multiple years of eligibility. All right, let's talk about the two big names and the possibility here. They Illinois obviously is interested in both these guys, but two big names that Illinois was in the mix on, one more than the other, uh, is high school prospects, both top 247 prospects. Uh, Ayodele Adeoe, he's named Dele, that's that's what he goes by, but uh, the Texas linebacker, I I went back and kind of had to look up some of my stories on Dele, Ryan, because I remembered Illinois was firmly 
in the mix there. And I forgot just how much he had visited Illinois. It was five times during the past, uh, you know, the past year of his recruitment, twice in the spring. And one of those visits, it felt like Illinois should have closed. Right. And then he goes to Texas the last, uh, the next month and he commits immediately. And it was just like, okay, why can't Illinois close? That was like one of the first signs. Uh, is, is Lovey pushing hard enough here? Uh, you don't got to do the PJ Fleck thing that we hear about, but you, you got to push a little bit. Right. And it didn't seem like they did that enough. And then he visited three times during the season, two games in five weeks. And then he visited for an official visit just a couple of days before he committed to Texas. So it felt like it was like, you're right there. And Illinois couldn't close. And what a, what a prospect he would have been in the middle if he had him and a Hanson and, and some of these other players you had, uh, but they missed out on him. Dallas had injury issues at Texas, but you saw him as a prospect, Ryan. I remember seeing him at some of these camps. It's like, that guy is built. He was built like a 21 year old when he was 17. Uh, now he's six foot one, 250, but he's still athletic, still fast. Um, Could have, Probably had a starting spot at Texas in one of these years if he didn't get hurt. Uh, had a nice redshirt freshman season for them where he had 45 tackles. This would be a big one. It'd fill a huge, huge need for them. But what do you think? It, and I think Illinois is in a great position here, by the way. So what would Adioe bring to Illinois? I, I don't really think you have anything to lose by by going after a guy like this. I mean, he is extremely physical. He, uh, he hits like a ton of bricks. And so – in a league that still uh, in large part runs the football and there, you know, the passing game is, is taking up all over the country across college football, but in a conference that still identifies as being a conference that runs the football a lot. And especially you need guys division, that can, right? Especially this. Oh West yeah. The division. big 10 West. Absolutely. Yeah. You need a guy that can, that can stuff the run and you know, he's a guy that can fill those gaps uh, that, you know, at, at the line of scrimmage, he can step up close to the line and not get pushed around uh, you know, he's a fairly sure tackler. Uh, the injuries are, are the thing that concern me a little bit, but I don't yeah. think that those should be a showstopper. Not for you Illinois. Know, I, 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 no, no. And I mean, for Illinois too, on top of just getting a quality player, you know, provided he recovers and, and all that and gets right. And I think you, you have the ability to give him some time to do that. Like don't rush him into action just because he is such a highly rated and highly acclaimed guy. Like give him his time to get right before you play him. Um, but because, you know, he, he was a guy that was such a highly rated recruit, was a guy that you were on the doorstep of landing the first time around, in addition to what he can give you on the field, like this is a huge boost just in the recruiting side. I mean, this gives you some some good vibes down in yep. St. Louis where you really need it. You're competing with Missouri. They just got Mookie Cooper, and you're looking for some good stuff in your own court now. Like, I mean, getting a guy like Dele Adeoye, would be a huge addition in more ways than one. And, you know, again, like I said, give him time, get him right, get him healed up and then let him, let him go yeah. and just let him, let him punish running backs in the big 10. Yeah. And I, I listen, I think he'd walk into a starting spot, right? I think that's if he's healthy. Um, yeah. You know, and maybe he doesn't make his dream impact. Like, you know, Luke Ford's first year did not go that well. I don't think that was all on Luke. Um, but I think some of it, like, you know, some of these guys don't work immediately out like you want, but I think Luke can be a huge impact player the next year or two. Adeo has got three years of eligibility left. I don't know if he wants to use all of them, but if he doesn't have to, that's a great thing for Illinois. Uh, but it's just a huge talent upgrade. 
right? Like, and, and that's what they need on this roster and especially at that position. So I would expect a decision, by the way, from Adeoe very shortly, and I think that bodes well for, for Illinois. The other one is an in-state kid, Chicago kid, a legacy, Houston Griffith, son of Howard Griffith, transferring from Notre Dame. And Notre Dame's a little bummed that Houston Griffith is transferring because he played a role for one of the best teams in the country, and uh, he could have competed for a starting spot there, but it wasn't guaranteed. So Houston Griffith wants a starting spot, and again, I think he could walk into one at Illinois, but I think he could walk into one at a lot of places here, Ryan. So I think this is going to be more competitive than Adioe's uh, transfer recruitment, but boy, you got to sell. Uh, Howard has been buzzing about Brett Bielma in the hire there, uh, but he's obviously going to let his son make the decision. But um, you watched Houston as a recruit, and when I got him here on campus, but I don't know if they ever really were one of the top players there. Florida State, he committed first and then eventually went to Notre Dame after transferring to IMG Academy uh, from Mount Carmel. So what could Houston Griffith add to Illinois? Yeah, I think one of the things about Houston is you could always see how athletically gifted he was because, you know, there and there are some really good athletes in the state of Illinois. This is, this is no knock on the state of Illinois, but, you know, he was, at least when he was uh, here among his peer group, he was kind of head and shoulders above him. And you know, he went down to IMG and was able to, to hang. I mean, he wasn't elite when he went to IMG, but he was really darn good. And he, he could definitely hang. He could definitely compete. And I, I think it was once he went to IMG – that's really when Illinois' chances kind of went out the window, you know, because he's he's closer to a school like Florida State that was really in the mix. Notre Dame was calling. I mean, he went to a Catholic high school in Chicago. He went to Mount Carmel. Um, you know, he's going to have these big programs again coming for him because he's a healthy contributor from a team that made the playoff. Um, and, you know, it's just – it's been interesting because there's been a lot of guys on the Notre Dame defensive side, and it's understandable with, with Clark Lee – uh, you know, taking a, taking a new job down at Vanderbilt that a lot of guys would probably elect to leave on the defensive side of the ball. But, you know, Houston, I, I think, has the capability of stepping in and being a contributor right away wherever he goes, mm-hmm. but especially so at Illinois. I mean, there, there's just so many boxes that for Illinois he checks and that Illinois checks for him um, that it makes a lot of sense, but it's, it's not that easy. Mm-hmm. It never is. And so, you you know, you don't get complacent. You don't just assume that because it makes so much sense, it's going to happen. You got to prove it. But I think one thing that is really going to help Illinois case here, and I, I was going to get to this just in general, is that, you know, rather than just addressing the state or, you know, starting to uh, just in general recruit the state, it seems like so far Bielma's uh, MO has been to attack in-state yes. recruiting. Yes. And that and that's the word is they've been proactively attacking in-state recruiting. And man is that refreshing. Uh, you know, yeah. you the, the divide had grown so so heavy that it was like the elephant in the room and Bielema just kind of comes in and he's just like, "Ah, we're going to do something about this. We're going to do something about this now." And they they've got a plan. They've been getting after it. The assistants have been getting after it. Bart's been on it. Bielema personally has been on it and and the gesture of a head coach himself getting after recruiting goes a long way. I mean, Brett Bielema got three commits by himself. 
right? Basically is what he did. And it's, it's like the first or second week of January. He went and started these recruitments and finished them. So that's really good to see. But the organization and everything I hear from what's going on in that football office is it's completely different. There's much more communication. There's much more of the head man saying, this is what we're doing. This is how we're going to go about it. And obviously this is a huge staff thing, but like he's putting Corey Patterson in Illinois. Like central, like Corey Patterson goes and is in Central Illinois. You're like you're using him uh, to his full extent of his abilities. Bart Miller is going crazy up in Chicago suburbs, making these connections and talking to prospects that have barely talked with Illinois here recently. And then having your head coach, you know, proactively offer a kid like Hank Beatty, who put up ridiculous numbers as a sophomore. Right, he's going one by one to some of these recruits who didn't hear enough from Illinois, whether it's Caleb Brown or Tyler Morris um, or Rashad Rashad Rochelle. (laughs) Like he's going one by one with these guys and reaching out to them himself. And, you know, Rashad told me he never heard directly from Ovi Smith, not even a a text. So this has gone a long way. And I'm not saying like he's fixed everything and he's going to land all these kids. That's not going to happen. He's not going to land all these kids we're talking about, but I think he's going to land some of them. And I think that's a huge improvement. I think there's a lot of talent in this state that if Illinois gets its fair share, it's going to be in a much better position to win games. Even if Florida has better prospects or Texas has better prospects, the kids at Illinois are more likely to pick you because you're close. You're close to home, and they might care about it a little bit more too. So I think that's been a nice sign from Brett, and it's why you, you've seen this week. This is not, this is not by accident. They have started with Illinois kids. Then they're going to move on to St. Louis kids. And then they're going to go more throughout the country, right? So this is by design. There's a PR aspect of it that Brett cares about because he knows it's important, right? Unlike Lovey, who didn't care. He just didn't care about that stuff. And I guess that's fine for him um, because if you win games, nobody cares about it. But if you're not winning games and people don't think you're talking to them enough, there's a... College football is a salesperson's job. Like your job as a head coach is to be a salesperson. And Brett has uh, done a good job of selling his program early on and selling his program, not just to recruits, but to fans. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things I think was important is there was a disconnect, not only with the athletes in the state of Illinois, but it feels like, you know, the fans, the supporters, it feels like he is more engaged after coming off of a coaching staff that felt kind of checked out within the state, you know, Early on in Lovey's tenure, there was this honeymoon phase where people were still fond of his time with the Chicago Bears and those great defenses that they had with the Chicago Bears. But over time, he didn't really do much to keep cultivating within the state, and that that wore off. Yeah, like and you so get Ricky Smalling in the state. You get Ricky Smalling right away, and that's that's a big get. Yeah. And, and Kendra Green buys into hey, the former Bears coach is here, and you you did a good job of scouting guys like Vidarian Lowe and Alex Palczewski, and even bringing in Doug Kramer early. But that only lasts for so long, and it just dwindled from there. And I, I get it from Lovey's angle. There is some games you have to play, right? And you're going to have to deal with some criticism and maybe having to clear a higher bar than some other programs. But you can't just throw it away. You can't just throw your in-state away and just say, eh, we'll do fine without you. You can't do that in college. Right. And on top of that, I mean, you kind of made a point of this to say, you know, you're not going to get them all, but you're going to get some. But the thing is, you're never going to get some unless you care about them all. I, I I don't think you can you can just abandon the state of Illinois, and then complain when nobody wants to come to the school. It's not they don't owe you anything. 
And now you, you say the games. Yeah. Like it's, it's a two way street. You know, there are some coaches that will maybe, maybe play some games with, well, you should take this guy too, or, or take my Mac level guy, right. Or my FCS guy. And you gotta, you gotta have the relationships there to have a real conversation go, Hey, that kid's a good player. And if he wants to walk on, we'd love him. And maybe he can get a scholarship offer. Right. And that happens sometimes. Like Alex Pilstrom was one of those guys. Michael Marques was one of those guys, but there's also like, you got to have that relationship to have that conversation and then move on from it. And, you know, some high school coaches held grudges, but Lovey held grudges as well. And it was just, it was just a relationship that obviously had deteriorated uh, over the last couple of years. Yeah. And relationships take time and effort to develop. Yep. And, and that's the thing is you, if you have a good working relationship with the coaches in state, then you have that ability to say, Hey, we think he's a great player. We just don't know if he's the right fit for us. And they understand you know, when you only come out to the school because they've got somebody you want, that doesn't work. Yeah. Right. I think, uh, I think he's doing the right things right now. You know, it is the honeymoon period. I get it. Um, but this is how you start. You have to start somewhere and the staff he's kind of put together. I think it's a really solid start. I think it's a very qualified, um, complimentary staff you look at the transfers they're addressing positions of need things they don't have on the roster and and they have to land more and and one kid by the way that i think would be very interesting is one of the first kids who visited illinois after lovey got hired jafar armstrong another notre dame kid uh had some injury issues but ridiculously fast uh did play kind of a running back slash wide receiver slot role and in peterson's offense i just think illinois needs a slot receiver in the worst way by the way um, and could use an older guy at that position, but jet sweeps, um, you know, a little dump down screen passes. I, I think he could be really good in that role. And I just looked up my story from April, 2016 about him visiting campus. So that would be another one, but like they got more holes to fill and this doesn't fix the entire roster. And for me, it's operation, just get to a bowl game in 2021, because if you do that, you know, I know Jeff Brom's program isn't four years later, exactly where we thought it possibly could be. But getting to bowl games those first two years helped him recruit so well where he could get Carl Loftus, get Rondale Moore, get Milton Wright, get David Bell. Um, if you get to a bowl game in your first year, you know, recruit a good class, your first class, then you can start to get that momentum going. And uh, that, that's what they got to figure out right now. But, uh, you know, I think it's a good start in 2022 uh, with some of the guys they've reached out to so far. So just so far, I think it's been so good for Brett Beal. I, I, th- I think the message he sent and the hires he made – they all make a lot of sense. Yeah, I think they're setting themselves up in a, in a, a good place, at least, to to start off on the right foot. Um, you know, having that early success gives you an opportunity to build something sustainable. Um, and what you do a year or two down the road, if you have some of that success, let's say they get to five and seven, six and six. You know, that first year, I, I think that you've at least made some some measured improvements. If you look more competitive, you don't get blown out. Your defense actually looks like it knows what it's doing. Those are improvements. And so, you know, and then you can build on that. You take that and you you compound it. And if you don't, then you just end up spinning your wheels. And I think one thing that should be different this time around, or hopefully is different this time around, is that you uh, you don't put yourself in a, in a hole early on and are constantly trying to dig yourself out. I think that was one of the issues they had was they they basically bet the house on playing all these young guys and then this was going to be the year and it just didn't 
really work out. Yeah, and of course there's there's COVID and all of that, but that also um, this year in the NCAA's ruling of allowing extra eligibility also gives Brett a much better roster, right? Like if you didn't have Pelcheski, and I know he's coming back from injury, but if you didn't have Kramer and you didn't have Vidarian Lowe and now Isaiah Gay is coming back, um, you know Tony Adams and Roderick Perry sounds like it, they they could make decisions here soon and maybe they come back and and fill some holes that just leave you more experienced, at least give you solid players at that position, or at least Bielema has something to work with. Like It's not like he's taking over the roster that I think um, Greg Schiano just took over at Rutgers. Right? I, th- I think he's taking over a better position, and he's got a chance at least to have some early success, unlike he did at Arkansas. And he found a way to go to three straight bowl games at Arkansas. So I just think there's at least something that he can work with where – they can have some some relative success in his first season that, that can build upon it. And I think they're just adding to that now. Yeah, and look at look at what Shiano did first year. Transfers. He attacked the transfer market, got some got some key guys. Um because you know, he's get, a college you know, guy and he knows how big that is. Yeah. I mean, you, he goes and gets like an Aaron Crookshank. He pulls in a quarterback or two because their quarterback room was just so so disparaged. Um, you know, they goes and gets a defensive tackle from Michigan that can really stuff the middle. Uh, and it, it made them at least competitive. Rutgers mm-hmm. was competitive in most of their games. They may not have won a ton of them, but they were competitive and they looked better. Uh, it's And that's maybe the kind of jump. And I think they've probably got more in the cupboard than Rutgers had, does, Illinois does. And so that's why they should at least have a chance this fall if they're able to address a couple of key roster needs to be competitive and win some games in, in Bielema's first year. Well, it's far more interesting right now, and uh, the news keeps coming, and we'll cover the heck out of it. And uh, once the coaching staff uh, is obviously comes to a close, or they add some more pieces, Ryan and I will get back on this podcast. Any last uh, comments here, Ryan? No, it just kind of feels like a breath of fresh air. Yeah, uh, you know, it's uh, any anytime you change, you kind of get a fresh slate. But it just feels like there's a lot more optimism because of the way that the foundation's being laid this time around. And, and some of the pieces that are being put in place, it just feels way more cohesive, more coherent, and everybody's on the same page and that they're not trying to force something into existence that there really aren't the parts for. I don't think you'll see Illinois selling how many years of NFL coaching experience they have at this time. No, they should sell college coaching experience this time around. Yeah, maybe Power 5 coaching experience because they yeah, got a lot go. of that. Ryan Asing, you're the goods, man. Thanks. Thanks. Good stuff, as always, from Ryan Easterling. And if you want to check out my interview with Max Rosenthal, the newest Illini transfer commit, comes from Michigan State, as Ryan said, new Trier grad. Also got the latest on Isaiah Gay returning. I got a piece from Joey Wagner about to go up, about Terrence Jamison, who met with the media today. Talked a lot about uh, recruiting, and uh, I'll have a piece on that. But Joey focused on Terrence uh, Jamison's background, especially with Brett Bielma. And, hey, our guy, Steve Wolflong, dropped by and gave some scouting thoughts thoughts on the 2021 Illini recruiting class that Lovey Smith recruited uh, and the holdover staff kept signed and got them delivered. And uh, I had some notes this morning uh, with the latest on Ayodele Adioe, Houston Griffith, uh, and some other recruiting stuff going on as well. As always, appreciate listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. If you're not a VIP member, you can always do that. One dollar for your first month. And if you don't subscribe to our podcast, please do. It helps us out. Uh, Rate us, review us as well, wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Inquirer podcast.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.